Hi everyone, Lauren Hubelay here, and this is Restoring Immunity, Explorations of Polyvagal Theory. Poet David Weitz offers this about new beginnings. Beginning well involves a clearing away of the crass, the irrelevant, and the complicated to find the beautiful, often hidden liniments of the essential and the necessary. In today's podcast, along with my co-hosts, Cameron and Megan, we hope to inspire your personal efforts to clear the crafts and discover the essentials necessary to navigate in this world. Our help today will come in the form of rethinking a few common words that for us have taken on new and very relevant meanings in our work and study of the autonomic nervous system. Megan, I've been so looking forward to this conversation. It's good to be with you again today. Hi, Lauren and Cameron. It is a joy to be with you both and Happy New Year. This is such a wonderful time to talk about uh, reinventing words that we use every day and giving them new meanings and clearing out our preconceived notions that have been handed to us. And talking and uh, thinking about what they mean for us. And I'd love to start this conversation with two words that I have been sitting with for several years now. So I have this wonderful group of women who I meet with weekly. And we have a tradition that at the beginning of each year, we each choose a word. And there are two words that have come up for me a few times and have re I've really taken pause and stopped to think about why the word is so important to me and um, what it means in my life, in my day-to-day -day life, and uh, why I wanted to explore it. And these two words are allow or accept, which came up first, acceptance. And the second word that went hand in hand with it the next year, which I didn't realize this until I chose the second word, which is surrender. Mm. And so if we think about acceptance and we think about surrender. Those are two words that I think in my past, the meaning as I perceived it growing up was that acceptance was a form of allowing an external situation to mold me, that it felt like a powerless place to rest. Somehow it felt like there was defeat in the meaning of acceptance to me. And a few years ago, it came rushing forth that actually, I think acceptance is a very powerful and grounded place to land. Mm -hmm. um, that I think in fact that not only are acceptance and change um, not mutually exclusive, I actually think that they have a very intimate relationship. And I think that getting to a place of acceptance, which means for me, um, 
complete, um, for lack of a better way to say it, awareness or um, being with the way things are presently, exactly as they are. Now that does not imply that I agree with it or um, that I don't want it to change or um, any of that. It doesn't, it doesn't condone anything. It means that I see it and I can be with it exactly as it is. And somehow for me, that almost acts like a key that unlocks the door to the, the mobilization of change coming forth. And so that really took this word acceptance and turned it upside down for me into a place of movement and a place of inspiration and a place of change. And for me, surrender almost feels like a deepening into that, that I can allow this natural and organic kind of movement that comes up from the complete being with to really let life sort of live me. And I know that as I've deepened into becoming more aware of my ventral vagal anchors and places where I can rest and feel safe, that a word like surrender that felt even more defeatist when I started now felt like freedom. Mm -hmm. Wow, Megan, I, I think this is so interesting how certain words we apply this connotation of weakness to. And when I was listening to you talk about acceptance, I couldn't help but get really excited about that word. But for me, in many years of my life, acceptance meant passivity. Yes. Right? And as women who um, spend, you know, I think the second part of our life, you know, reclaiming our voice and our power in the world, something like acceptance sounds like a step back. And yes, that's I why we're coming. That you're turning this and saying, no, 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 this is a step forward. Yeah. This is a step into our power, not away from it. Yeah, I love that. Cameron, I see you nodding. What's coming up for you with that? I, I, I love your expression. My mind is exploding. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is, we can take it right to the wonderful hierarchy on the ladder, because certain words, as Megan, you so beautifully articulated in trauma talk are triggering. They cause that state mm -hmm. of dysregulation. Well, I just need to accept things the way they are. Right. Or <sighs> I guess I just kind of have to accept things. Or wow, acceptance. And that, Lauren, you spoke of reaching that crest, clearing that crest. Yeah. The process of true exception when it's not viewed through a dysregulated response is uh, really being able to be with, see at that crest, 360, have all that ventral vagal perspective and curiosity, which is all empowering, not disempowering. You know, it seems to me that acceptance is complete awareness. Mm -hmm. And as Megan suggested, the ability to be with. Yeah. Yeah. Holding. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's our goal, right? Our goal, mm -hmm. if we have a goal, is to, to be with. And, you know, clearly 
we're living in some very challenging times on multiple levels, not on, on a worldview and a, um, a view of our own nation, but in our own world um, and, and our families and having that complete awareness, this and this and this, and this is true, right? And then, then I can take action, which is what I, am I hearing you right in that, Megan? Yeah, that's beautifully said. I think when we talk about the being with energy and sort of in your earlier life, Lauren, what you referenced about um, it feeling like a, an act, a passive act. I think that what we're doing is taking acceptance as almost a being with something external, you know, that we had to, it was passive because we were using acceptance to um, kind of mold ourselves or be with or conform to something that wasn't resonating deep within us, something external that wasn't resonating as um, healing for us or wholeness for us deep inside. Now we're taking that being with energy of acceptance or that complete awareness, as you say, and showing up for ourselves with that word. So being with ourselves. Wow. So listeners, let's challenge you to take down these words, acceptance. And Megan, you had a second word. You Surrender, with- which is the deepening of that practice. Yeah. Yeah. So acceptance and surrender. I love those. Cameron, do you have some words that you've been thinking of? Yeah. And well, I just want to echo that that wonderful surrender is not a disempowerment. And in fact, mm. it is deeply empowering. Just as yeah. I love my new vocabulary word for this year is nascent. And I had to look it up because someone used it with me and I couldn't even spell it. It's spelled N-A-S. Mm-hmm. C-E-N-T. And what it really honors is that moment in time or that transitional space of no longer and not yet. And it really points to very much in harmony with um, Megan, what you're pointing out is the movement, the underpinnings to change is so often about that awareness and, and about that surrender so that we can honor the space while things are shifting. And if we look at the hierarchy, that really is with that wonderful ventral vagal, awe, curiosity, you know, lots of ability. And if it starts to get taken down the ladder in that pejorative cultural, you know, give it up, no hope, you know, you can't do it any longer, you're failing, whatever, all of those words, we lose that ability for being nascent. You know, Cameron, I thought of your word, um, like it it felt like it was flashing before my eyes this weekend when I bid farewell to each of my children and my beloved aged pets and my um, middle child drove me to Houston to the airport. And as I stepped out of the car, and I was in that no longer, not yet moment. And what I felt, and believe me, your word came to mind, 
is this stripped down to the core of, of the very essence of who I was. Like I was really touching that. Like I, I'm not this person that's here and I'm not yet that person that that is going to do those, you know, exciting things in Europe. I'm, you know, just an old lady hanging out at the airport <laughs> who's trying to figure out how to maneuver this in the life of COVID, right? Um, but I, your word was so with me on my whole trip. Thank you so much for sharing that. No, Lauren. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think that brings up a really beautiful point. You know, we had um, a wonderful um, friend join us on our recording um, a week or two ago, and we were talking about being with energy. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about feeling immobilized and wanting to mobilize. And we were uh, exploring the possibility with her that instead of looking at uh, practices or extracts or tools, to help mobilize that maybe it would be productive for her to experiment with just being with herself. And I think that this word, um, Cameron, is speaks to that so beautifully how, you know, I think our culture is driven towards wanting that a change in state, right? Mm -hmm. And this word really offers us permission and space to just be with where we are, wherever that is on the ladder. Exactly. Nice. Do you have another one too, Cameron? Oh, this, this is just such a, a delicious conversation because it speaks to so many other things that interest me, including of, you know, when we honor our state, when we honor our cycles, when we honor the seasons, when we honor, you know, the moon when we honor where we are in this country, in this world. And um, I still think resiliency is very rich because much like the seasons, there's a lot of beliefs that, well, we always should be resilient and accomplishing and moving quickly all the time. What you were saying, Megan, of, you know, let's hurry up and get there quickly, which disavows this whole season of, of winter, which is a time where there's tremendous growth happening in a very quiet, self-accepting, you know, where, where are we now? You know, can we honor where we are and not try to fight it? Mm -hmm. So that's resiliency. You, you know, Cameron, I, as you spoke of resiliency, I thought of my old definition of this was an armoring, right? We're resilient. We're, um, you know, we can face the world and, and, and when I consider this in a new way, I think of these beautiful trees that I'm with out here in the um, plains of Germany and, or farmlands, I guess they, I would call them more um, rightly, um, but there are these beautiful stands of trees that have been here for hundreds of years hundreds of years and um, they um, aren't armored against the seasons. They just are, they just are. And they move through 
each of the cycle of life with each season in that very resilient way. Yeah, and Lauren, when you talk about resiliency and feeling like armor, I think the tree analogy is so perfect because um, trees are so rooted, right? We've talked about this analogy before, they're rooted and, and yet they also sway in the breeze and mm -hmm. have an innate flexibility. And um, that flexibility doesn't make them weak. No, no. Would that line up with your definition, Cameron? Absolutely, because resiliency is about that ability to flow, to, to ebb in states, to move with ease. And you're talking, Lauren, and, and Megan, about you know how trees do that ever so naturally. They have deep roots, but they have the ability to sway, to acknowledge the seasons, to remain strong. It's not about fighting. Yeah. It takes us back to that acceptance. Yeah. It, Cameron, I, I don't think anyone has taught me that lesson better than you, that it's not about fighting. And I, I'm going to recall um, a conversation we had really just a month ago when I was in an incredible state of pain and my... Um, now, in retrospect, we can say I was in a sympathetic state, free state, but I was in such intense pain that, and all I wanted to do was fight against it. All I wanted to do was go in the opposite direction. And um, one of the, the first words that, that you shared with me was just, allowing this state to be, right? And in my practitioner researcher head that was going 90 miles an hour, and even when Megan said, maybe you might be in sympathetic, I was like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. <laughs> Why would you think I'm in sympathetic? <laughs> but when um, this is just going round and round, the minute I was given permission and I will really say permission and then gave myself permission was to say, Oh, this is what's going on right now. The mm -hmm. tension in my body lessened my struggle lessened and my pain decreased. I mean, that that's shocking that that's transformative you all because biologically, and you please fill in the blanks here for me, Cameron, I'm beginning to understand that when I sense that pain, I'm, I'm wired to move and move away from it. Am I right? Absolutely. Because initially that pain was a, a cue or an invitation for danger. Right. But then your system went to fighting it, which is that biologic survival state, which if you were running away from a, a tiger chasing you would be appropriate. But in this moment in time, that state, along with the story of needing to fix it, simply intensified the fight, but not in a, a productive way, did it? You know, let me tell you how productive it was not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lauren, you know, I think that this brings up another beautiful point 
um, about the autonomic nervous system, which is when we lose our ventral vagal anchors and we're in a deep state of protection like that, whether it's sympathetic or dorsal, this is why we talk about that co-regulation is necessary mm. for self-regulation, okay. right? And we've talked about how um, powerful it is when we just hold space for each other. Sure. Yes. You, you know, I, I can attest to that in such a um, clear way because this was clearly, I was given this experience to help with all this work we're doing. It was so profound, but I noticed a difference in my pain level if my husband was in the room or if he was not. And, and a dramatic difference. I, I, I really can't say enough about the power of our nervous system. And we try so hard to use so many different tools and um, interventions. And really, we have it right there. We have what we need when we can allow we can find um, co-regulation. And then Cameron, another important lesson that I can't push myself out of a state. I have to invite in. Mm -hmm. And then allow. Yeah. So we can cycle, right? Yes. It really is. So allow, this is going on, da, da, da. I'm gonna let it be. As I do that, enough ventral vagal comes on board that I can continue to open the window and invite more in, again, allowing. Exactly. And in polyvagal speak, we notice, often through sensation, notice a named state, and then invite that space for regulation and co-regulation is not limited to finding that significant person who absolutely can sit there and be with you completely and without any right. judgment. It sometimes can be cuddling with an animal sure. or simply putting yourself in the presence of other autonomic nervous states. Mm -hmm. And, and co-regulation actually has a, a, a broad palette of possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow, so invite and allow, those are my words. Is there, are there any other words we need to fill this out with to help folks into this new year? I mean, I think this has been so rich. I feel like we could continue to talk about new words. I can bring up one more word, and this is a new exploration for me. And this, is carrying on along the same line of taking words that um, feel like they are um, sort of the meaning or somehow they are being um, externally sort of imposed on me and then mm -hmm. taking words, recalibrating internally and coming forth externally from that. And so this word is vision. And um, this is a new word for me. And it has so many paths that it has taken me recently, um, particularly in relation to the autonomic nervous system. 
I think that often when we think about vision and we think about our senses, we automatically think about our eyes when we think about vision. And we think about not only our eyes, but viewing external things. So what's around us. And so right away, I've been sitting with this word and thinking about, well, how we sense the world with more than our eyes, right? Sometimes we have these knowings or you know gut instincts or there's all these terms for our knowingness about things that doesn't always correlate with what our senses are telling us and this really speaks beautifully to um, neuroception or the way that our autonomic nervous system is always <clears throat> quote unquote scanning or viewing inside our body um, with other autonomic nervous systems, with other people that we are interacting with and with our global community, our greater community, that we are always scanning for cues of um, when we need to protect ourselves, when we perceive that we need to protect ourselves and when it is safe to connect. Mm -hmm. Another pathway that I've taken with vision is that we tend to look externally and that when we feel anchored and safe to do this, that we can take that vision and turn it internally and yeah. get into what people call a witness of ourselves or an awareness of our own thoughts. Uh, Cameron often talks about this as a state of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that allows us to really be more aware of our state and not necessarily in a way that we're trying to change it. You know, in my practice of Asian medicine, when I'm taking someone's pulses, we learned this pretty early on in school that when you're taking someone's pulses, be fairly aware that once you've laid your hands on them and shown up with your presence, the treatment has already begun. Oh, yeah. That their pulses are now changing in response to me just being there present with them. And I think it is very much the same when we take our vision or our awareness and turn it towards ourselves that like Lauren said, we're often looking for tools or ways to change or shift our state, but just being aware of our state uh, is inviting that natural shifting to start. Absolutely, absolutely. This transformation happens without any of our fiddling. All we have to do is allow, accept, invite. These are our, our um, and, and this is so simple, but it's so radical. I mean, it really is a radically different way of looking at things. Cameron, did you have one more word you wanted to share? I know you had some real juicy ones there. I think very similar to exactly what we're, sharing um, and about the autonomic nervous system and about that wonderful curiosity and being with, I'll play with you in, in, in honoring what Deb loves to be in a kind of provocative kind of way. Listen to this word and see where it takes you and your system. Chaos. For me, chaos has always struck a note of tremendous fear. Everything's falling apart. We're going to destruction. You know, the the most negative view of a sense of disorder and you know, in a fearful kind of way. And yet, 
if I think of those wonderful moments we were viewed, you know, science and earliest evolution and, and chaos was really about that primordial mm-hmm. sea. It, it, it's that process of becoming long before we had conclusions or thoughts or stories. And in ways, chaos without the negative connotation is really appreciating that that fertile void and can we be with it? And it's just, again, I look at the, the state of our world, the state of our countries, the state of our economy, the state of our pandemic, the state of many people's resiliency has been highly challenged by too much, too much, you know, and that state of wearing us down really tends to limit that wonderful curiosity of what's happening to us. What are the invitations to, you know, evolve into something different and that being able to listen in to sensation. Most often when I sit with other autonomic nervous systems that are truly overwhelmed in a survival sense, the best way is to invite them through co-regulation, create some safety, and, and then just to pay attention to sensation. Because that's the vast majority of the way our autonomic nervous system is listening through that neuroception. Mm-hmm. The story is often, what we draw conclusions about it and and a story that often does not honor the possibility of change. It actually contorts and contracts it. Exactly. Wow. Amazing ladies, as always, um, you uh, tend to take it always to the next level beyond any expectations. So want to thank you so much for playing with these words with me. And as we wrap up today, I'm going to plug another class. Um, This has just been released on my website. So you'll find it there under classes. It's called Gymotherapy, a polyvagal approach to extracts for the nervous system. And I recorded it in collaboration with Cameron. And um, this is recorded um, with those in mind who already have a familiarity with my approach to gemotherapy and using gemotherapy to restore immunity. So really for those who have studied with me in the past years, but want to get all this juicy information we've been talking about all in one place and they are recording so you can watch them at your leisure. So that's my plug. Uh, Megan, anything you'd like to share with folks before we close? No, I feel uh, lots of new energy coming in 2021. I have some things cooking and uh, stay tuned. Oh, I love that, Megan, (laughs) love it. And Cameron, how about you? I think wonderful venues in, in the spirit of new is acknowledging for those that haven't found this out yet that the Polyvagal Institute has just launched within the last few weeks. And it's in the beginning stages of really connecting everyone and anyone who has the least bit of interest in polyvagal theory, whether it's about taking a class, whether it's about research articles, podcasts. So if there's curiosity, Google Polyvagal Institute. Fantastic. Ladies, thank you so much. And listeners, we'll be back with you next week.